Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about the Beatitudes, and we're going to be in this uh, fall series that's uh, on the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. If you have a copy of the Scriptures, turn to Matthew 5. And as we're there, we're going to be discovering the truths of this section of Scripture. Today's just an introduction, and uh, then we'll be digging into it, and and I just know God's going to speak to our hearts. I was thinking about some of my earliest memories of church, and I'm going to date myself right now, and I've got a mic thing that's driving me nuts. You know, I'm going to get it straight. Okay, here we go. Here's the deal. In the 60s, I was dropped off at a local Baptist church in our city. My folks weren't believers, but they thought I should attend, me and my brother. And they had these boards that I even thought were lame in the 60s, but that's what they did. And they were called flannel graphs. And i got to tell you, you've got to have an imagination. I, I, didn't, I didn't even call anybody because I was afraid somebody might have one, and I might have to go to counseling if I saw one, okay? And they had these little kind of created little people, and you had Noah and the ark and the animals, and, and I'm doing this because that's about as exciting as it got. And, uh, and, and that's the way, that's kind of my early memories of church. And, uh, and then I departed <laughs> a few years after that and came to Christ as, as a uh, freshman in college, but they, they would tell these stories, and, uh, and what I remember is we would hear about David and, because, you know, everybody got to hear that story, and you'd hear about Samson, and you'd, you'd uh, you know, you'd, you'd go to the New Testament, and you'd hear about the Apostle Paul, and then, of course, Noah and the animals, and all that was really cool. Now, they, they never told the stories like, uh, uh, you know, Noah got drunk and that kind of thing. Like, you know, that, that would have been a hard one to put on the flannel board, Okay. And they, and they certainly never did David and Bathsheba on the flannel. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, okay? Yes, okay. So church has come a long ways. But I was thinking we kind of got the sanitized version of the Bible because the Bible is true, and the Bible is real-life stories. And what we do is we sanctify, we elevate we put these people in positions in Scripture, and they're wonderful men and women of faith, but sometimes they have a very checkered past like us, and yet we, like, we just think they're perfect, and they're not. And that's one reason we can identify with them so much. But here, Jesus has this, uh, this saying here in Matthew 5. It's called the Beatitudes. And actually, you know, the word beatitude is, is, is not in the scripture, but that's what we call that section. And in 5.3, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And next weekend, I'm going to just tear that apart. We're going to break it down, what it means to be poor in spirit, and hopefully you bring somebody with you and it'll speak to your heart. But I wrote on the top of your outline here, I, I think it helps you. Jesus is talking about stuff like the way down is the way up. Hunger and thirst lead to satisfaction. Spiritual poverty leads to spiritual wealth. Mourning is the way to laughter. Have nothing is the way to having everything. You know, huh? That is counterintuitive to anything I know. And Jesus, as the scripture opens there, he went out and he sat there on the hillside. And I remember in 1999 when I went to Israel, I was there, on, and it's just a hill. You call it a mountain, but it's more of a hill. And I thought about the thousands and of the people that gathered out there as Jesus proclaimed the first message that the Holy Spirit gives us in Scripture. This is the first sermon that we know of that's really recorded, the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's probably the most famous. And he talks about abiding happiness. You know, a lot of people say, man, what is happiness? And somebody once said, happiness is a warm puppy. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. 
Um, and, 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 and Albert Schweitzer says, happiness is a warm puppy, good health, and a bad memory. Sometimes it's good to have a bad memory, you know? And, it's, you know, and, and that's probably not even funny today because so many people are losing their memory. Anyway, that's another story for another day. And then we just think about how we think, well, happiness, what is happiness? And this morning, if I asked you just to write down what is happiness, some of you would write different things and all kind of things on your sheet, on your worship guide notes. And here might be some. You, you, you might say, well, happiness is having a lot of money. It's certainly having wealth. And, and, and we know from Solomon and other scriptures, and we know experientially that that's not necessarily happiness. Money can buy us a bed, but it won't buy us a good night's sleep. Amen? I mean, a lot of people got a lot of money. They just don't ever sleep at night. Money can buy us books, but it didn't give us a brain. <laughs> and some of you are like, well, well gee, that's, that's encouraging because we're starting school and my mom bought my books. Well, she didn't buy you a brain. Money, money can buy medication, but it doesn't buy you health, does it? It might improve your quality of health. I, I, I hope it does. Money can buy amusement and entertainment, and it does. But it doesn't bring happiness. So here in the Beatitudes, Jesus just talks about being happy. And this happy thing is a, is a Jesus thing. And that's okay, isn't it, church? See, some people have a concept this morning that God is in heaven, and he's going, I'm angry. And I'm going to get you. And my eyes are upon you. And I saw you yesterday. Where did I get that voice? I don't know. And you just have this wigged out concept of God and God's eye. This morning we talked about that in our prayer time before. That the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And he is attentive to their cry for help. And that's a good word. And the Lord's eyes are on us. And he's watching us. And I hope we find ourselves in Christ. And if we don't, I hope this morning we'll decide to trust him. One writer said... The Sermon on the Mount should be called the Sermon of the Monarch, the Sermon of the King. And you might want to just write that down in your notes. That's just free, okay? It's the Sermon of the King. It's, it's King Jesus. He talks about the kingdom. All, all through the Gospels, Jesus is, is kingdom-centric, kingdom-focused, about kingdom living. And he talks about this. And he talks about your life being under the authority of the king. And we don't know a lot about kings. We know about presidents and senators and governors. And we know about moms and dads and judges and coaches and pastors and leaders and authority. But we're subject to the king of the kingdom. And his name is Jesus. And we follow his perspectives. And, and here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is basically calling us to practice what he preached, what he taught. And it's so easy to get out and articulate words, but then to go have action that match the words of Scripture. That's another thing. That's consistency, because all of us struggle with a, a, a level of hypocrisy, if we're honest. And the Lord wants to redeem and make it better. In the Latin, the words B-E-A-T-U-S, it means happy, it means blessed. The, the, the word here, it, 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 he says blessed, but a better translation would be if he just said happy. And so when we think happy, you think, wow, happy. I got a definition for happy. And Jesus is about us being happy and I, I want you to get that in your spirit today like Jesus is a friend and some people get upset and say Jesus can't be my friend well he can and Jesus is happy and he wants to be happy with us and he wants us to, and and if you look there in your outline I just put it on here so it's the Greek word that means happy just fill that in your notes it means happy makarios is the Greek word it describes a believer that is fortunate they're blessed they they have favor they make room it's it's the large blessing of God they're happy. So Jesus is happier these people. Happier the ones 
that find themselves in this situation blessed by God is not something that we've achieved or earned. Being blessed by God is a gift. Write that down. Please, if you don't hear what I say today, write that down. Being blessed of God is a gift. You're saying, but I work hard. That's good. Jesus is in integrity and, and work ethic. But that's not the blessing. And what we say is blessed or blessed, same word, blessed, blessed. Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to be happy. I want you to be holy. That's trumping happiness. But Jesus has something great for us. The biblical definition here is so different than cultural's definition of, what de- of how culture de- defines being happy. The, the Beatitudes, the great paradox, blessedness, happiness. See, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, listen to the Paul. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, us who are being saved, it's the power of God. See, it's, it, the, in, in Jesus' economy, in, in his life, he wants us to be blessed. And, and we go, well, blessed means I have more than somebody else, or I have what I want, and that can be a part. But Jesus really turns this downside up when he talks about the kingdom and he talks about Sermon on the Mount as we walk through this in the next several weeks. He he wants to move past our earthly kingdom to an eternal heavenly kingdom. Jesus wants us to think not so much about how blessed we are. He wants us to think about the blesser. That's the Father. That's the Son. It's the Holy Spirit. He wants us to run to Him and see what He has and, and how we can establish His kingdom, not our earthly kingdom or not the kingdom of this age. The kingdom of this age will fade and pass away, but His kingdom will reign within us. Where is the kingdom of God? It's within. Did you know that? If you're in Christ, the kingdom of God is right there in you. Is that good news, church? That is great news. You're like, I'm looking for the kingdom. Sometimes I say, people are on the edge of the kingdom. They're seeking. They're curious. But they're not convinced. So they've not committed their heart to the king. So this kingdom living is all about gospel. It's all about Jesus. He's, he, he, he comes to promise the kingdom of heaven. And, and I love that. I'm like, man, the kingdom of heaven. We did a whole study last semester in our small group about heaven. And I'll tell you what, when we got through that study, I was getting a bag and I was ready to go. And then he talks about this earth being a new heaven and a new earth. And this heaven up here, and that's a whole other study, is a temporary heaven. The eternal forever heaven will be here on this earth when he comes and sets up his eternal reign forever. And you're like, oh, cool. Well, you want to be in on that kingdom, okay? But let's move on this because this sermon begins with disciples here. Let's, matter of fact, would you just stand, and I'm going to read from the NIV. Would you just stand to your feet, and it's not going to come on the screen, but I just want to read God's Word, Matthew 5, 1 through 12. I've read it so many times, I'm going to read it dozens of more times over the next several weeks. And when we leave here, we're going to go, I know Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Okay, here it is. And now when he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, he went up on a mountainside, he sat down, and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Well, that's a tough one, because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. 
For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You can be seated. Isn't that a great word, man? Jesus is like, this, this message, when Jesus sat down and he gave this message, this was so radical. I mean, they were blown away by these words. I mean, it was like, huh? I mean, the Sadducees and the Zealots and the Pharisees and all the different Aseans, these groups are like, oh, man, what? Uh, what, Jesus? And disciples were gathered and other people were listening in and, and they're thinking, man, blessed is when you're wealthy and when you're self-sufficient and you've got things under control. That's what it means to be blessed. <laughs> and Jesus, man, he's like, I'm turning that downside up. That's not right. You see, we, we read the text here, what he said. I want all the sidebar conversations. How about you? I've got so many sidebar conversations I want to have with Jesus and disciples and Elijah and different people. Anyway, I'm just excited about that. Jesus says, no, the blessed people, they're the unlikely candidates that we think. They're the ones that are really blessed. They're the ones that I want to do this great work in. And he goes through this thing. He gives eight Beatitudes. Beatitudes. And he gives eight of them. And some would say, well, maybe verse 11 will be a night, but it's really an expansion of verse 10 about persecution. But the Beatitudes, I know this, are compelling. And these Beatitudes have been changing lives for centuries. These Beatitudes, I'm asking God to change your life and mine in this series and frame us according to Scripture. And that we see something different and we go, God, what matters is what you pronounce as blessed. Listen to that again. What matters not what you and I say is blessed. What matters is what God pronounces blessed. And God says the kingdom is blessed of his Father. And he says when we're in the kingdom, we're blessed. And when we do these things that we just read about, that's blessing. You're like, uh, me and Jesus got to talk. Because I thought blessing was getting the biggest HG color screen TV in Montgomery. And everybody comes to my house and I got lots of food. That's blessed. It is. But Jesus says, no, blessed is what I say is blessed. I, I was listening and studying. I've been reading on this, studying. I'm studying everything I can of the attitudes. I just want to learn. I wanna, I'm walking. I'm praying. I'm asking God. And I, I ran across this Robert Morse guy. I love him. And he says, the Holy Spirit here, as he lists this scripture, it means to be exceedingly glad, to jump for joy. And, and then it's like, what differentiates us from religious people? I think it's to be attitudes. We begin to live those out. We begin to walk these attitudes out. It becomes a, a new way of living. And see, here's what I know is going to happen. You're, if you're not careful, we're all going to try to make lists and rules, and that's what it means to follow Jesus, and that's not what it means to follow Jesus. It means to have a relationship and union with Christ. Amen? And I want you to follow Christ. Now, there might be some rules in there, but if you're not careful, you get on this rule kick, then you're going to add more laws and more rules, and you're going to become a legalist and a Pharisee, and nobody's going to like you, and you're going to be eating dinner by yourself, okay? I thought this was interesting. The last verse in the Old Testament ends with a warning of a curse. Matthew 4, uh, Malachi 4, 6, the last word of the last sentence of the last chapter of the last book pronounces a curse. Mm, not good. 400 years of silence. The New Testament comes. Matthew chapter 5 is interesting. The first sentence, the first sermon, the first book, Jesus says, blessed, or we could translate happiness. So he goes from curse to happiness. Which one do you want this morning? This is not rhetorical. Do you want curse or do you want blessing? 
Now, I mean, if you won't curse, you can go ahead and leave now because I don't want to be there when God issues that out, okay? I mean, in Deuteronomy, there's a great scripture. It says, will you choose curses or blessing? Will you choose death or life? I pray this sometimes as I'm praying. Lord Jesus, I want to exchange death for life and curses for blessings. Here, according to Matthew, this is the way of the kingdom. Christ wants to bless us. Are you thrilled this morning that Christ wants to bless your life? He does want to. Now, this is not prosperity gospel. I, I'm appalled by that. I don't even like that. I don't even think it's biblical. But blessing is of God, the favor of God. God says, I want to bless you. I've, I've given a covenant, happiness from God, going up, living for him within the King king's domain i surrender to the king of the kingdom and his domain is this earth and i live in the earth and i glorify the name of christ and he blesses me and i make he makes me happy and where does happiness come from you're going i know where happiness comes from it comes from when i get all the classes that i want happiness comes from a new job happiness comes from a relationship a new girlfriend a new boyfriend uh, not if you're married uh, it comes from the spouse that you've got it it comes uh not from, Jesus says, happiness doesn't come from your circumstances. Those are all external. Jesus says, happiness comes from within. It's an internal thing, internal. The working of Christ, the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I mean, some of you are in some difficult situations and you can be happy in Christ. Some of you are on some great situations in the eyes of the world when we look at you and you're miserable. Because the internal peace has been forfeited and Christ wants to give it to us. And so Matthew targets this audience that was primarily Jewish and he's talking about the kingdom and who we are. And, and then in, in that day, you know, society uh, was you know, predominantly Greek. And so in Greek, remember this in school? What do we study in school? Greek mythology. Yeah, we, we studied that Greek mythology. Remember that, all those crazy gods and stuff? And you know what we could call it? Greek myths. We could call it Greek lies. It's not truth. And here we talk about the kingdom of Christ and what God has for us. In 1 Timothy 1.11, New Living Translation says, that comes from the glorious God, the good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. Uh, Morris says we could translate that, our happy God. You know, some of you this morning, I can already tell you're having a hard time with me saying, like, dude, you are too happy. No, my God is happy. Is your God happy? Is your God blessed this morning? Yeah. Is God wanting to bless you? Absolutely, you're like, but, I, but man, my wife don't look blessed. Okay, let me back up and talk about what I've been talking about. See, blessing is not so much external. I, I, lo I love the blessings external of God, just like you do. But God's got something higher and bigger, the kingdom. Like, look at a guy named Solomon. He was the wealthiest guy that ever lived. I mean, this dude, he didn't even have silverware when somebody pulled open the cabinet to get the silver. It was gold. Goldware. And he didn't have any tumbler cups. He had gold goblets. I mean, silver was like, give that to the peasants, you know, whatever. I mean, this guy was rich. Somebody said that they did a study on him and Solomon. Now, listen, I want you to think about this for a minute. Your house, you know, it costs this much or this much, and then you go into a neighborhood, and they have a million dollar and a five million, and you see the lives of the rich and famous, and it's 10 and $20 million. You go, 20 million? Listen to this. Solomon's house, they said if it was in today's economy, Jamie, how would you like this? You're a successful realtor. How would you like to commission on this? His house was estimated $3 billion. I'm going, man, Bill Gates has got an outhouse compared to that. 
I mean, three billion. What is the commission on three billion? It'd be a great tithe, okay? And, and, but here's the deal. This guy, this guy had money. He had women. He had horses. He had chariots. He had all this stuff. And he goes, man, this, this is empty. This is it's just mere emptiness. Because, see, happiness never gets so much met with a natural need. It's a supernatural need. It gets met with the, the living presence of Jesus, the attitude of Christ. A modern beatitude would be like this. Blessed are the beautiful, for they shall be admired. Blessed are the wealthy, for they have it all. Blessed are the popular, for they shall be loved. Blessed are the famous, for they should be followed. Then you want to culturally update the translation. Listen to this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The destitute are actually loaded with excessive riches. Blessed are those who mourn. Congratulations, you have deep sadness. Blessed are the meek. What a privilege to be obscure. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The losers win all the time. Blessed are the merciful. Got a bleeding heart consumed with meeting the needs of others. You've got it going on. Blessed are the pure in heart. The religious fanatics have God's approval. Blessed are the peacemakers. Sissies are the best. Blessed are the persecuted. The persecuted have such great luck. You're like, I don't know. You rewrite it another way. Blessed are the self-sufficient and the self-reliant and the independent. That's what we teach in the world. Depend on yourself. Pull yourself up by your own. Yeah, you see? We were taught that, weren't we? Be independent. And I don't want you to be a bunch of spiritual babies or emotional babies, but we need Christ. Blessed are those who have fun, enjoyable, pain-free lives. That's what the world teaches. If you've got a pain-free life, you're blessed. And if you are are going through a hard, difficult time, there must be sin. That is not true. That is what God has allowed to conform and shape you to the image of Christ. Blessed are those who have made a name for themselves. That's what the world teaches. Blessed are those who have the best resumes. Now, the world's definitely all over that. Blessed are those who reward hard work, oppose laziness, judge people only by their merits. Blessed are those who are only mildly committed to the religion because nobody loves a fanatic, do they? Blessed are those who mind their own business, otherwise you get sued. <laughs> Blessed are those who mind their own business. They get sued. Blessed are those whom everybody likes. Isn't that what we go for in high school? Most popular. And you follow them. Hey, look at this uh, quotes coming up. I love this. If you want everyone to like you, don't be a pastor. Sell ice cream. <laughs> Somebody sent me this a few weeks ago, and then I was doing another reading, and I saw it again. I go, man, I'm supposed to get this message. So I want you to know tomorrow I'm going to be selling ice cream, okay? Now, guys, i got to tell you, I love you. I love people. My life has been given away for almost four decades to loving Christ and his people. I, I love that. But I also love to be loved. But when I became a senior pastor 20 years ago, I didn't know when I stepped into this office, people weren't going to like me, but then they would tell me. And then sometimes they would tell you that would finally get through the vine to me that they don't like you. And, it, man, so, you know, when I saw this quote, I thought, man, there's future in ice cream because I like to eat. Ice cream would be good. No. Just kind of teasing, but not really. Okay, here we go. So blessed are those. You know what Jesus says? Blessed are those who become holy. Just write it down. Those who become holy. And then I would, tr I would insert in the word holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Blessed are those that wholly follow the Lord. The Bible says that Caleb wholly followed after the Lord his God. 
And as he wholly followed after God, he became holy. So God, this morning, I want us to get it on your heart. I want to get it on the blessedness of Christ, the happiness of Christ. Because this world defines blessedness and happiness so much different than the kingdom. And Jesus says, but I've come to dramatically reorientate, to redirect your view. To give you a biblical worldview. And the biblical view of life and the worldview are opposing. Great contrast. And the Lord wants to do something beautiful here. The earthside blessedness is a fleeting ecstasy at best. Then one writer says, the fireworks on the 4th of July becomes merely a trace of smoke in the sky. You know, I get so excited about fireworks. You go down to the Biscuits games, or we were on vacation several weeks ago, and they were having fireworks, and, and I'm, I'm glad it's somebody else's money. And, and they're doing this fireworks show on the beach, and it's awesome. And then all of a sudden, it's just, just a puff of smoke. And that's just the way their money was, just a puff of smoke. You know, and that's the way things are in this life. Like, you're saying, but... Pastor, I'm getting a new car next week. That is awesome. Hey, I'm getting a new house. I'm getting a new shirt. I'm getting a new whatever. Man, great, great, great. And then it's like, well, it's old. I want, I want a new one. I want something different. It just, it's fleeting. It never satisfies. Only, only Christ satisfies. That's, that's what I'm learning. Jesus takes me back to Philippians. Contentment is the way of the kingdom. Are you, you know, I, I struggle sometimes. I'm, I'm content. And other times I'm not content. And Jesus is like, will you be content with me? This week in Lots of prayer walks that I did. I thought that's what the Lord was just talking to me. Are you content with me? I'm like, Lord, man, that's, that's a pointed question. Why don't you ask somebody at our church that question? Don't ask me that one. No, I want to deal with you. And I just started going, Lord, I want to be content. Does anybody here struggle with being content sometimes? Of course, you don't want to raise your hand. You're like, well, they, they, they call me a liar. Okay, all right, whatever. Questions to ask ourselves. I, I was just thinking about this studying in our time together and questions to ask, and I like, wrote down, what kind of life will I pursue? You and I have a choice. What kind of life are we going to pursue? A life of happiness, of blessedness, of holiness, or a life that we amuse ourselves, that we become self-centered people, that we make us the focus, or we make, and that's the condition of the human heart, isn't it? That it's all about me. It's all about me, Jesus. We used to sing that song here. It's all about me. It's all about me, Jesus. That's not the song we sing. But that's the anthem we sing in our lives sometimes. And Jesus is like, no. And then the second question is, what principles do I build my life on? Well, you know, I'm a preacher, so I'm always going to take you back to God's Word. Chuck, is this not the eternal principles of God? And this is what we've got to build our life on. And you've got to build your life on the Scriptures and on the words of Jesus. And man, that'll give you life, and that'll give you happiness, and that'll give you blessedness, and that'll give you joy, and that'll give you grace. You're like, well, you know, maybe that's for some other people. No, that's for you. It's God's rule and reign in our hearts. So, Lord, come and fill our hearts this morning. And you know, Jesus is out there on that hillside, and he's there on the mountain, and he's just, he's just talking to these guys, and he's giving this teaching. And man, so many sermons have been preached on this. It's so profound. And so, I'm going to choose to try to break it down over these weeks, and we'll just like do one a week. And you're like, wow, how are you going to do that? Well, hang with me, go with me, be there with me. And then the third question, what will be the practice of your life? What's the practice of your life? When somebody said, this is the practice of their life, like this morning, it was so cool. I asked Coach Davis to come and do our welcome today. When he started doing it, I almost forgot to preach. I thought, I'm just going to go up and do some push-ups. You know what I'm saying? 
I was motivated. My practice was to follow him. And some of you are like, God, is that guy for real? And Christy said, yeah, I live with him. He's the father of our four kids. Yeah. But his practice is to raise up champion athletes. And my practice is to raise up champions for Jesus Christ. And the church said, I want you to follow Christ with abandonment when you leave here. Not, well, you know, we have some great songs. You know, let's eat, man. Let's go to Snowbiz. Let's do something, you know, whatever. Get a boy a break, you know. If you want me to preach less, you need to get Blake to bring me a snowbiz up here every Sunday morning, okay? No, no, don't do that. Somebody will do that. No, no, I, I don't need it, okay? you got to remember, when I get sugar, I get crazy, okay? So I'm not going to do that. So the description of the kingdom is blessedness, and that's what Jesus wants us to have his view. But let me just give you four quick people, or four major religious sects of the day. The Essenes, they were down at Masada, and they were separatists. They were going away. They were totally separated from the world. They thought if we remove ourselves from the world, we won't be contaminated. The second group was the zealots. They went against things. They, they came from power. They were political activists. They had great zeal for their nation. They wanted to overthrow governments. The third were the Sadducees. Sad, you see? Oh, okay, I thought it was funny. All right. They're the modernists. They're the contemporary worship people. They want a little bit of scripture and a whole bunch of culture. They go ahead. They, do what, uh, they, they, uh, they don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in supernatural. All these groups of people were around Jesus. And then the Pharisees, they're first century. They're traditionalists. They're always wanting to go back to tradition. That's all they care about. And, and so for them, it was the Torah. Let's go back to the law. And that was good. But then they go, but let's add more laws to it. So these four sets of people... Jesus addressed and he speaks to and and I think about sometimes it's like and then Jesus like he challenges them in a profound way he goes the Essenes it's the affair of the heart not the body y'all are so worried about external things Jesus wants the heart the zealots God is not interested in a national revolution God is interested in the worship of the heart and the church said God wants you to worship in the Sadducees he wants to tell them the only way is God's way. It is a supernatural movement. And the Pharisees, man, they're just so messed up. And he goes, it's internal. It's not external. And I hope some of these things think, talk to you because look at the last blank. The Beatitudes represent a path to Christ's likeness, which is simply a way of living. So when you live here today, I want you just to continue to grunt through your grid. How can I become more like Christ? How can the likeness of Christ begin to fashion and shape and be reflected in my life to a lost and dying world? How can the witness of Christ make a difference? And see, some of you think, I can live these Beatitudes out in isolation, but it is not a solo sport. The kingdom is community, church. I mean... I'm begging you to consider this year, I want every person in small group. You're like, what are you thinking? I'm thinking life. If you want good pastoral care, join a small group. If you want to grow spiritually this year like you've never grown, join a small group. If you want to see the kingdom more alive in your heart, be a part of doing life with other believers. The Beatitudes, they, they challenge us, but here it is. A lot of us are just like my apple. I want you to look at that apple. Didn't that look awesome? 
My grandkids, it's got little bite marks on it. It is plastic. It is fake. It looks good. And a lot of people are like this apple. Woohoo! I'm religious and I got it going on. Man, help me on these voices. I don't know what it is. But you're fake. And Christ says, I want to do something in your heart. I want to radically transform your heart. If I go and give that to my granddaughter this afternoon, she's going, thanks, Pop. My grandson would get it and throw it back to me. He thinks it's a ball. But we're not going to have any nutrition from this. But if I brought a real apple in here, man, that's life. And I'm praying that God's going to change some lives and give us the virtue of the kingdom and we get heart transformation according to Christ. And we develop the profile of Christ. Let me give you this verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, the NIV. Then NLT says it this way, New Living Translation. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is a Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into his glorious image. And that's what I pray today. Lord Jesus Christ, change me. Change my friends. Change those that listen on the web into the living, conforming image of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Lord, we want you. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful this morning for this team and for this church and for these people and my brothers and sisters in Christ and for friends and for people that might be seeking out spiritual truth. I I pray they would draw a little closer and they would experience kingdom living in Jesus Christ. Lord, come and Lord, today could there be somebody that wants to hand over the reins of their heart to Jesus? Man, would you just say, Lord Jesus, I've made a mockery. I've made a mess of it. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Come and be born in me. Come and invade my life. Cleanse me by your blood. Make me yours forever, Jesus. I give my heart. I surrender control. I give you the reins. Take me, Lord Jesus. Take me from this place. And let me experience the kingdom and share the kingdom with others. Lord, overwhelm somebody today. Let them share that word of testimony with me today that Christ became real. Not like this fake apple, but the real genuine article of faith that Christ is my resurrected King. I ask this prayer in the awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen.